I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, today I want to welcome Jeff Kozatek. He is a coach, speaker, award-winning performer, podcast host, and author. He is trained in emotion, uh, emotionally focused therapy and is a certified coach with both the John Maxwell team and the Values Conversation. He is the host of Breakthrough Moments podcast and the author of the number one best-selling book, Blueprint for Value, 52 Habits to Discover and Strengthen Your Personal Worth. Jeff, welcome. Craig, it's, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Let's do this. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Well, one of the things I saw when, when I saw you uh, apply for the podcast is you're a juggler. Um, or you, yeah. I guess our word, what, what, what's, what's with the juggling? It's like bike riding. You know, once you learn how to ride a bike, you always know how to ride a bike. Once you learn how to juggle, you're always a juggler. Uh, I learned how to juggle when I was 11, uh, not by choice. I love magic as a kid. I signed up for a magic workshop on the way there. My mom said, magic workshop is full. So we put you in the juggling workshop instead. Changed my, changed my whole life. But consequently, that led to a massive career in entertainment where I did comedy juggling shows, stilt walking, fire performing, stage MC, game show hosting, uh, a lot of improv stuff, a lot of street performing, theater, film. Um, and I still I still do a little bit of that today, but now it's a give back. When people hire me to do a, a keynote or they buy a coaching package, they can gift a free presentation to kids in their area. That way, we're modeling lifelong learning and teaching through relationships and letting the the next generation know that they're they're seen and valued. Yeah. How how did you get into juggling? It was my mom's fault. I totally blame my mom, Craig. I wanted magic. I had nothing. I did not want anything to do with juggling. So when I ended up in the juggling workshop, um, uh, I learned from a guy named Dale Jones. And I was <laughs> like, Dale's got one arm and he's juggling. And I'm like, I don't even want to be here. Like, what's going on as an 11-year-old kid? Um, but I I stuck with it and I learned uh, Dale was an incredible instructor. And then in college, uh, I picked up juggling again because I thought it would be an asset to my acting career. And then it became its own thing. And juggling Jeff was born. <laughs> and what are some of the things you've juggled? Yeah, like, you know, the usual stuff, balls, clubs, knives, fire. Uh, cats are really hard because cats don't let go, especially the ones that haven't been declawed. Those are those are tricky. Uh, basketballs, tennis balls, stuff like that. I try to stay away from the chainsaws. Yeah, let's let let's we got to draw a line somewhere. Uh, I would agree. I'd agree. 
Thanks, Craig. Thank you. And and so now you're a, a coach. So you were a juggler. Now you're a coach. How did you get from here to there or from there to here? That's a that's a great question. Uh, when I was a kid, I was told I should find something I love and make that my job. I love art and people. Uh, I love figuring out how people work and why they do what they do. So I studied a lot of psychology and sociology, but I also really loved art. So that threw me down the road of entertainment um, and studying psychology to become a better actor, to be able to better portray the characters on stage. Uh, I also picked up the unintended message of you are what you do. It seemed like everywhere I went, uh, people were essentially saying, you know, your choices define you, your, your actions define you. If you're not performing well in school or in sports or on stage or, or making a piece of art that everybody loves, it seemed like people didn't really want to pay attention to me. And so I took this unspoken message, you are what you do, and I merged it with find something you love and make that your job. And I became a massive workaholic. So I threw myself into entertainment. I had an event management company, a booking agency, and I've done more than 5,000 presentations all over the country. Um, and international, thank you, Canada. Yes. But in that, I discovered a few things along the way. There's, there's three things. There's what I was doing with safety. There's what I did uh, when I met up with my coach for the first time back in 2012. Uh, but also, I started to realize that no matter where I was, everybody was wrestling with the same two questions I was wrestling with. What is my worth and where does it come from? Most of the people seemed to think that they were coming from a place of lack or scarcity and that they didn't have enough inside them. They needed to go out and get it to prove that they are worth somebody's time, that they are significant, that they matter. And it seemed like most people were looking for that in their performance, their property, their appearance, their circumstances, or their relationships. And I was doing a lot of the same stuff, looking for mine in my performance. Unfortunately, uh, when we look for our worth outside of ourselves, it's never enough. It is, it is never enough. It always runs out. It puts us in a place of trying to earn more, protect what we have. We start competing and comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, it's just not, it's not a healthy, sustainable way of living. Uh, but that's where I lived to the point where I would... Um, to make a long story short, start looking at my life insurance policy because I felt like I couldn't do enough to take care of my family. Uh, so I've gone down some pretty dark roads. And when I look out and I see all these other business owners and these leaders wrestling with the same stuff, looking for their identity and their worth in what they do, uh, and then the price that they pay, not only from a, a physical health, but from a mental perspective, an emotional perspective, the, the toll it takes on people spiritually, um, I wanted to help. So I switched into uh, speaking. I started speaking on worth and how that plays out in six different areas. Uh, and then I got certified with coaching so I could actually walk with people to create that sustainable change. And that totally ties back in 
to what got me in the entertainment in the first place, really understanding why people do what they do and, uh, and helping them to make different choices. What, what are the six areas of worth? Uh, well, they're, they're really like six topics. So people will hire me to talk about uh, the leadership mindset. People hire me to talk about teamwork, uh, communication, the opening act, uh, work-life balance. Um, I do a talk on true grit, facing adversity, and then another one on confidently conquering change. And worth is the cornerstone for all six of those. I, I don't believe you can do any of those without a firm foundation and intrinsic worth. Interesting. Uh, intrinsic worth. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> That's it. So w- what is intrinsic worth and how do I know if I have it? <clears throat> well, you it's it's a choice, really. You're either choosing to look for it outside of yourself or you're choosing to look for it inside. If you're looking for it inside and it's not attached to performance, property, appearance, circumstance, or relationships, then it never changes, ever. On a scale of zero to 10, it is always full at a 10. And your perception of it can change on a moment-to-moment basis, but the reality is it's, it's full. Um, so you could say this is a choice. Uh, Albert Einstein was once quoted as saying, there's really only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle, and the other is as though everything is. So again, it's a choice. We either choose to see the miracle inside or not. Um, you could also bring faith into it. Um, if you are uh, created, there is a worth there that is inherent, that is intrinsic, that can't be lost or stolen. Uh, if you take faith out of it and um, and say everything just miraculously came together, that's pretty miraculous because if one thing is slightly off, everything just falls apart and explodes and disintegrates and all these laws that we perceive as laws are lined up just right. And if anything is out of balance, you're, you're out. And so that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So at the end of the day, it's, it's a choice. Um, now, like I said, the intrinsic worth, it never changes, but our perception of it does when our perception drops if we think that we're anything less than a 10, uh, that's when uh, we we go into road rage and I start pushing myself harder in my performance. I start pushing myself harder in gaining more property or trying to prove myself to my wife or to colleagues. Um, that's when things get a little out of whack. So I wrote this book, Blueprint for Value, 52 Habits to Discover and Strengthen Your Personal Worth so that you've got 52 ways to keep your perception high to match the reality that you are now, have always been, and will always be a 10. Yeah, very cool. Thanks. Now, as you were talking, I, I was wrestling with something in my head. Maybe you can help me connect this. Bring it. How would you see, um, how would you connect purpose to worth? Are they connected? Are they disconnected? Are they two different subjects? I love that you asked that question. That's what I work on with my coaching clients. What I'm holding up right now is a little coin called the compass. The compass has four pieces on it, four quadrants. Uh, The one quadrant is the worth, which is what we've been talking about. Second quadrant is value. The third quadrant is identity. And the fourth quadrant is purpose. 
what I would define as your vision and mission. And I believe uh, if you know your worth, I, so I think that there are two separate things. Your worth is what you stand on. Your values are how you filter the world. Um, it defines or drives all of your decision-making. Uh, your identity is your, your skill set, what you bring to the table. It's not your role. It's not your responsibility. It's who you are as a human. And then your purpose is your why and your how. So for me, my, my purpose is made up of my vision to empower. I keep pointing up here. You can't see this. There's a, there's a sheet on the wall where I have this printed out because I always want it in front of me. I always want it handy. But I'm here to empower and encourage others by teaching anyone who wants to learn and setting the example. And so that's, that's my purpose. And when I'm standing rock solid on my worth, my cornerstone of worth that I am that I am full at a 10, then I'm able to see that 10 in other people. I'm able to look past, past their behavior, past circumstances, see the human underneath, and then effectively walk out my purpose to empower and encourage them as best I can. You know, one of the reasons I was asking that is it's based on something you said earlier, you know, and it reminded me of a quote uh, somebody said that if you remove intentionality out of creation, you remove meaning and purpose from life. And if that's true, that can leave a lot of people a little bit lost and, and searching for, I think you would say, worth. What do you think they meant by if you take intentionality out, that we well, lose the other stuff? Yeah, so the... Um, kind of going back to um, what you said, if, if everything came together um, the way it did, where the laws of physics just work the way they do, mm -hmm. you know, and there's, and this is a deep rabbit hole, we, you know, we certainly don't have time to go into, but as an example, and I'll get the numbers wrong, but in the ballpark, um, you know, so the, um, if you look at the, uh, uh, you know, strong nuclear energy that holds uh, molecules together, holds atoms yeah. together. Yeah. If um, if the strong nuclear power was something like, I, I forget, it's like 2% or 5% higher, the only thing you would have on the periodic table is hydrogen. You wouldn't have oxygen. You wouldn't have carbon, all of which are essential for life. Um, at the same time, if it was again, two or 5% weaker, you would have no hydrogen and only the others. And I may have these backwards. It's been a while since I've seen this, but basically what it points to is the notion that the um, strong nuclear power that holds atoms together, some would say is finely tuned. That's a broadly agreed belief uh, in science, regardless of your belief about, you know, origin or creation yeah and so you said that it would be um it's pretty miraculous if all these things happen uh just by randomness and yeah. science would even say that that's hard to believe because there is fine tuning in the universe so then you know kind of back to that is um as we're walking through uh life you know, and why I see, I see a lot of people in the world that just seem 
frustrated and lost. And I think a lot of them were searching for purpose or worth. And so that was kind of the nature of the question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm a, I'm a, I guess I would call myself a Christian and uh, following Christ and reading from the Bible, there's this, there's this spot where, where it talks about Jesus being out in the wilderness for 40 days uh, and 40 nights. And then it says that he's hungry. And then Satan shows up and says, hey, you know, if you're really the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. And I feel like that line happens to all of us all the time, almost on a daily basis where, where we are constantly questioning who we are what our worth is, and then, you know, feeling isolated and alone, and then this temptation to become self-reliant and just make it happen for ourselves because nobody else is going to do it for us. Like, like that, I, I've seen it play out in my life a bunch. I've seen it play out in my clients' lives. Um, and so if we're questioning who we are, I think it's in, in our worth I think it's really easy to forget about our purpose, what we what we're gifted to do, and now we start uh, busy work and we start doing all these other things and we get off track. But if we can come back and ground ourselves on that cornerstone that we are that we are a full ten, lacking nothing, regardless of our successes, regardless of our failures, regardless of our circumstances, that that ten never changes. And if we can stand on that, then we're more we're we're better poised to see clearly our purpose and buy into that and move forward. And I think if we don't have purpose, I mean, as as you know, uh, we're things get a little tricky. Things yeah. get a little tricky. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about leaders. And so, you know, if if you're coaching somebody who's running a business or in a senior leadership role in the business, you know. How do you help them find their their worth? I mean, that's where we've been, uh, or their you know, their value. Yeah, well, I, I we we do that in a in in an hour in, in two hours. We have a coaching session. We talk about that, um, and really, I believe that we have to see the ten in ourselves before we see the ten in other people. Uh, and if we're not if we're not seeing that in ourselves, then we're going to compare and compete with everybody else. So a lot of times uh, business owners might struggle with um, or even mid-level management or or the C-suite exec will struggle with micromanaging. Uh, they might struggle with uh, uh, not being able, not feeling like they could delegate. Uh, they might struggle with getting advancement and then holding on to the old position and not actually executing the new position. And so they're struggling with the leadership. And most of the time, most of the time that seems like they're holding on to the performance piece, uh, thinking that their worth, their significance, their identity, the value that they bring to the business is wrapped up in their performance. Um, and so if they make a mistake and their, their performance drops, who are they, who are they to the company? And then they're out. So helping them to shift that perspective, it's a, it's it's not a switch to be flipped and forgotten about. It takes intentionality and consistency. 
So it's something that we talk about frequently. And it actually brings me to habit 52 from my book. <laughs> Hashtag wash your brain. The idea of repetition, 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 repetition. Uh, we keep saying that over and over and over again. I think it's one of the one of the biggest shifts to make, especially living in a culture that is so performance focused, to stop drinking that Kool-Aid and recognize that what we do comes from us, but doesn't define us. So it's a, it's an ongoing thing that we do through repetition um, built around the book and, and all the other coaching. But if, if, the, if the leadership can see that, Craig, do you know what that does to the organization? Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm glad you asked. This is what it does. Because if, if you can see that you are more than your performance, then you're able to empower your teams uh, to go out there to lead, succeed, or fail without judgment. Now, you're not throwing them out to the wolves. You know, you can still put out parameters, but they can make mistakes, and they're not going to be destroyed. The company's not going to be destroyed. I love what Ed Catmull said in Creativity, Inc. He said, you can't eliminate mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, but you can take steps to limit the frequency and reduce the impact. And if a leader can confidently stand on his or her, their own cornerstone of worth, then they're able to see that in their people and they're able to properly manage their people forward through the mistakes, through the successes, the lean times, the great times. And so that's why uh, that's, if you don't have that cornerstone and you have a leader that is focused on finding worth in their performance or in their property or in their appearance, then you don't have the honest conversations, the crucial conversations. Um, everybody is, is vying to look really good. So you're not, you, you might be lacking a lot of information, valuable information you need to make adjustments within the company because people might not be honest. Um, I mean, it's in, and it becomes, uh, get your piece of the pie rather than let's raise the tide and lift all ships. Now I would say it, it would seem if I'm a leader listening to this, here's where I'm struggling. Bring it. Of course I'm measured on performance. You know, so I just finished reading Lee Iacocca's autobiography. And it was all about performance. Guy invented the Mustang. Yeah, then he um, rose up to the top of uh, Ford, was president of Ford, got fired one day and went over and rescued Chrysler. And, yeah. and it was all performance. And so if I'm a leader listening to this, I'm like, of course it's performance. If I don't perform, my job isn't jeopardy. You know, there, there are deliverables for the company. You know, if it's a public company, there's... Um, there's earnings expectations that part of my job is delivering on those. How do I, how do I live with that reality that there is a performance aspect while also I'm letting go of it? <laughs> this frou-frou stuff, Jeff, that you're talking about, how does that match with reality that performance matters? Essentially. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that that that's a, a legit question. And and I would say that this comes down to to mindset. I talk about the champion versus the challenger mindset. Uh, the challenger mindset is constantly comparing, competing, contending, and controlling. And that's how they survive. 
That's how they move forward. Can people succeed in a performance-focused culture? Yeah, they can. I mean, we've seen it. You, I, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Leia Coca, but um, you look at Michael Jordan. You look at all these other people. Like, it is possible. There are there are a few individuals throughout history that have achieved mass success uh, by defining themselves by their performance and what they can do. Uh, that's true. And there is a cost that all of those people have paid to succeed with that perspective. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, the champion mindset, if you show up as a champion, you're not competing, comparing, contending, or controlling. You are engaging, equipping, empowering, and encouraging. And when you're showing up as a champion, you're not trying to prove Um, You recognize that you're more than what you do. And by doing that, your work actually elevates. Uh, To give you an example, when I found my worth in my performance, I was doing 350 shows every year on top of producing 12 videos, on top of shooting photo sessions for families and fine art photography, on top of acting, on top of voiceover stuff. And for me, the performance was my worth. And so it was, how many shows can I get on my books? Look, I'm amazing. Look at all that I've done. Um, and I would I would feel really good anytime somebody said, Jeff, you're the hardest uh, working guy in showbiz in our city. And I'd be like, yes, yes, I am. Because that would make me feel really good about myself. The, the problem was um, I was always thinking about the next gig. I was always thinking about the next project, the next video shoot. So I wasn't as present as I could have been. And I missed a lot with my family. I worked nights and weekends and holidays for 15, 20 years. Like you miss a lot when you do that because that's when everybody wants to be entertained. So there was there was a significant price I paid there and then mentally um, or physically, I, I got shingles when I was in my 30s. Um, and then later on, looking at the life insurance policy, that's a pretty big physical consequence, you know, if I had gone through with that stuff. So, I mean, and then the emotional side, all the doubt, all the overload and the constant focus on work. Can it be done? Yes. Is it healthy? I don't think so. And I think there are a lot of consequences there. And you show up as a champion, then you can, for me, I was able to harness the power of not yes. Not yes. Because when I was performance focused, I had to say yes to everything. Because if I said no, then I'm not, I'm not building myself up. But as a champion, I could say not yes to this and not yes to that. And I could say yes to this. And all of a sudden, the quality of my work went way up. And then I was experiencing the benefits of a deeper connection with my wife, a deeper connection with my kids. Um, and I've not gotten shingles again. <laughs> and yeah. I haven't looked at the life insurance policy. Uh, and my body is able to do things now that I'm really happy that it can do at this point in my life. So it's, I think it comes down to a choice. Um, well, this has been really interesting, Jeff. I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. So uh, your book is The Blueprint for Value. You mean this book? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
And and you said that you have a, a gift. It's the Mindset Motivation Club. What is that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, leaders, as leaders, we have a lot going on. Leading uh, our, our kids, our, our spouses at our work. Um, and it can be easy to forget uh, our cornerstone of worth and start drinking the Kool-Aid, thinking that uh, we are our performance. Um, and we can get overwhelmed by by life. I mean, my family has gone through a lot of uh, medical challenges in the last five years um, and then circumstantial challenges. And so I think we have to be intentional with the repetition to keep our our perception high uh, so that we can show up as our best self so that we can uh, be there for the people that we serve. So the Mindset Motivation Club is uh, three emails a week. You get a habit from my book, Blueprint for Value, on Monday. You get a thought for the week on Wednesday and a personal story on Friday. Each one has a short uh, performance tip or two, and all the emails are incredibly short because your time is valuable. So the Mindset Motivation Club is meant to be these really quick, short nudges to keep you on track to uh, performing at your peak performance throughout the week. And uh, if you're interested in joining that, you simply go to coreauthenticity.com, select the resource tab, uh, and then it's right there. You can plug in and you're good to go for free. Excellent. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Craig. I really appreciate you having me on the show. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.